You are listening to the award-winning The Young Jerks with Mike Crawford. My name is Kyle Davis, and I'm running for state senate. I grew up in Lexington, Massachusetts, with an amazing mixed family with two moms, multiple religions, and mixed heritage. Coming to age as an openly gay man was radicalizing. Traveling across the country as a struggling musician and working as a waiter and Grubhub driver to pay the bills was an incredible experience that allowed me to meet all different kinds of people. But it also made me realize that people deserve so much more. I met so many other gig workers and families that were working themselves to death but were still trapped in a cycle of poverty. Most importantly, I learned that poverty is a policy choice, a choice made by politicians that take money from Wall Street, insurance companies, and big real estate in exchange for their support for corporate subsidies and opposition to Medicare for All and housing as a human right. Here in our district, our leaders are allowing for the development of a power plant that will emit 50,000 tons of carbon into the atmosphere every year. And their lack of response to the COVID-fueled housing crisis has left thousands of families at risk of eviction. I won't be taking a penny from corporations or special interests. I will fight relentlessly for the right to unionize, a living wage, free college, and the dismantling of systemic racism so that everyone has the opportunity that the American dream has promised to them. That also extends to people seeking refuge and opportunity here. Join us in this movement to do more for the North Shore. Welcome, we're live. Mike Crawford, Young Jerks. Got a special guest, Kyle Davis, is a young man running for Massachusetts State Senate. You can find him on Twitter and Facebook and his website, at Kyle Davis for MA. What's up, Kyle? Hey, thank you so much, Mike, for having me. Thanks for coming on. Uh, you're going to be on the ballot, right? Is that right? In September? Is that? Yep. We, uh, as of two weeks ago, we are officially on the ballot for September 6th. September 6th is the big, and I, I could tell you're probably running in Salem from, you know, I, I could tell from the video there was, uh, you're pretty close to where I'm at, actually. Yeah. I could oh, see the Salem power plant in downtown Salem. Where else are you running in Danvers as well? Yeah, Danvers. So I live in Danvers, um, and the district is the second Essex district. So that's Salem, Danvers, Peabody, and Beverly. Excellent. Yep. I know that area very well. Not my town, but very close. Uh, so you're, you know, right off the top in your campaign video, I see uh, the Salem Harbor Power Station. So is that correct? Is that is that actually, part of your campaign? It's the PBD Peaker plant, actually. Okay. Um, but you know, the campaign is all about, you know, uh, protesting and fighting against these, uh, big power plants and dirty energy projects, um, all over the district, all over, you know, the state and the country as well. Um, but that one in particular is the one that I mentioned in the video, um, because, you know, it's been under construction during, um, the timeline of this campaign, um, which is kind of incredible because, you know, from the beginning, I knew that I wanted my campaign to be a lot about the climate crisis and then to have that project kind of being underway um, has, has been uh, very interesting. It's, it's been, uh, you know, obviously something that we don't want to see. Um, It's also been, you know, kind of a way to mobilize people because there's so many in Peabody, especially because they'll be, you know, breathing that 
you know, poisonous air the most, um, you know, that we've been able to uh, communicate with um, as well in terms of our campaign. So tell me about this PD plant, because I, I've just been hearing about it in the local paper, too, and some of the local Facebook groups. What is, what is it? Is it an energy plant? What, what are they proposing? I don't know. Pretend yeah. our audience doesn't know anything about this, too, because well, a lot of people don't. What is it? Well, that's the thing. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people in your audience don't know about it because um, they've been kind of pushing it through um, with no transparency, um, you know, kind of doing a lot of this in the dark. Um, you know, some kind of local activists um, found out about the plant and, you know, we were kind of demanding to, you know, know some answers. Um, I actually wrote an op-ed um, that was in a local Danvers um, paper about how kind of scary the lack of transparency has been when it comes to this. We don't know who voted for it. Um, we don't know if there was a vote in the legislature. Massachusetts is the one of the least um, transparent states um, when it comes to those things. Um, and it was only this past summer when they finally allowed um, residents who have been, you know, kind of demanding answers um, for a long time. They held kind of a town hall um and, you know, even that, um, I went to it, of course, and they had this method that was kind of to filibuster all night. Um, and we were told that we could ask questions, but we weren't able to until, you know, very late at night. And most people had to leave before then. Um, it wasn't anywhere online. Um, and then obviously everyone that came to it was vehemently opposed um, to this idea um, because of course we need we need clean energy. This is this is not the time, according to the scientists, when we should be creating new dirty energy plants. Um, and then shortly after uh, this town hall, um, it was announced that they're continuing with this project. Um, and like I say in the video, fifty thousand tons of carbon um, they're permitted permitted to emit every single year. And what about the city of PBD? Are they supporting this? The, the city councilors. Uh, yes and no. Um, you know, there's been um, a few people that um, have been uh, vocally against it. Um, but again, the, the whole project is just kind of shrouded in this mystery where, uh, you know, if people are saying that they're against it, we don't know whether to take their word for it or not, because we don't know how this was approved in the first place. Right. Yeah. It's, it's funny because this is the same city that was like, so against having uh, recreational cannabis. And I just look at what would I rather have? I would rather have recreational cannabis every day of the right. week over right. a power plant. Uh, it's not even a question. Yeah, cool. yeah. Uh, so uh, we're with Kyle Davis. He's running for Massachusetts State Senate uh, in in the city of Peabody and Danvers and Beverly and in Salem, right? In those yes, four. That's correct. You got it. Three cities in one town. Yep. Which, you know, I know very well. This is like my roots, uh, the, all those towns actually yeah. and cities. But, uh, so what, one of the things that I've you know noted, which you know it seems like we have quite a bit in common actually from the music scene, the local music scene, mm -hmm. to this right here, app-based drivers. I used to be one of them. Yeah. Uh, and I got a big payout uh, from this is like way back before like oh, wow. really, you know, kind of before like the Uber Eats craze and all that stuff. But mm -hmm. I think the company local company I work for actually got bought by Uber Eats because I tried to look them up, but funny but like basically at one point i was getting screwed over like a lot of drivers are wow and the federal government came in it was obama's department of labor 
mm-hmm. and said, dude, does any, anyone, you know, anyone on the shift here want to talk to us about how you guys are getting paid? And I was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, I was so excited to talk to her. And next thing I know, like a month later, we all had checks, nice checks. Cause we weren't paid right. We were getting ripped off by our employer. And I think a lot of that is going on. And I think, unfortunately, uh, after Obama, you know, it went back to the way it used to be with the Department right. of Labor not doing anything. It's really up to the states to get people paid, unfortunately. Right. Um, I'm hoping Biden does something here, you know, because I think a yeah. lot of gig workers do get ripped off. They don't get paid minimum wage even. Um, what, what You know, you, you were an app driver as well, it sounds like. Yeah. What do you think about this ballot initiative? Massachusetts app-based drivers as contractors and labor policies initiative 2022 that's going to be on the ballot. Yeah, you know, um, you know, from the beginning, um, especially with um, my experience being a Uber driver, Lyft driver, Grubhub, Dort, I did every single one of them. I think Lyft, DoorDash, uh, and um, you know, I think it's absolutely essential that um, these workers are employees rather than independent contractors um in my opinion is just a clear skirting around labor law um so i'm you know and i actually saw a commercial on um i think it was a couple nights ago um just recently about the ballot initiative and of course it was just so manipulative um i also saw them at a market basket when i was there collecting signatures um you know trying to make it seem like workers, oh, they really want to be independent contractors because there's so much more freedom. Um, you know, but with that, you know, the end of the sentence is freedom from benefits and freedom from, you know, you know, being treated with uh, the dignity um, that they deserve as workers. It's funny because I, I know that there are some gig workers that do work for those companies that actually do like the freedom and flexibility of working their own schedule when they want to, which, you know, I used to like when I did that work too, but if you're full time, (laughs) it's show me the money. I mean, more than anything else. And you're not getting the money half the time when you're full time at these places, I could understand people who are just looking to supplement or, you know, they're, they have kids and they only can work a few hours a day. That's, you know, totally understandable. You might like it the way it's set up now, but for a lot of people, it's it's just very abusive and it's it's not uh, exactly it's much yeah. preferable to have benefits and, and to have, you know, the protections right. to make sure that you're being paid properly. I mean, right. that's the number one, which it seems like a lot of times when you're an app contract driver, you 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 get screwed. The company never gets screwed. It's always the right. the driver. And, and that's what I noticed in that. Did you notice that quite a bit, too? Yeah, absolutely. And look, there's a lot of jobs that offer a lot of flexibility. I mean, I'm a waiter now. Um, I work at a restaurant where it's very easy for me to say, you know, and I've needed to, you know, with this campaign, these are the days and hours that I can do. These are the ones that I can't. Um, It's easy for me to switch with another um, waiter um, for a particular shift. Um, And I'm an employee. So the idea that it's kind of either or, you know, either um, you're, you know, you're totally beholden to the hours we want you to work, or, you know, we're going to skirt around labor law and, you know, treat you as an independent contractor. um, You know, it's just BS that, you know, they can do both. These are very um, profitable companies. Um, You know, they can do both. That's a great point. Because I also was, you know, worked in waiter and bartender and it's the same type of industry as, is the shift, you know, 
tip driver you know it's it's the same thing and and they could easily make you an employee you could still have all that flexibility there's no question because they need people to work those jobs all the time yeah so that's the key they're 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 not going to be you know cracking you as long as you you know show up yeah right and hey there's a whole host of issues when it comes to you know the restaurant industry as well um i believe now that we're paid um five dollars and fifty an hour um plus tips of course um but i'm you know totally opposed that system i think you know the restaurant should absolutely be uh paying their employees the full you know minimum wage at least um and the minimum wage really isn't a livable wage um we see through that tip system that you know especially women in the industry you know there's a lot of sexual harassment that goes on um between them and and the guests and i i think that the system of tipping um almost kind of eggs that on um we've seen in other states where once they get rid of that system um in that in uh, california they have 15 dollars an hour plus tips and um you see you saw the uh the rate of reported sexual harassment just plummet um it's kind of incredible so um you know but the bottom line that i try to stress is look, you know, I've been a waiter, I've been, um, you know, a rideshare driver. Um, So I think that's another kind of experience that doesn't often get talked about enough. Um, A lot of people, and I'm sure my opponent, um, are going to talk about my lack of political experience. Um, But I look at Beacon Hill, and I see a lot of people um, that have never had working class experience. And I think that's a really important point as well. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Uh, are you a renter? Uh, I actually live at home. Uh, okay, so that's a different. That's another different category. I mean, this, that's a perfect example because, yeah. you know, we, we we've had a lot of interviews with people running for office and politicians who have you know been elected, and oftentimes you know like we'll look at the city of Cambridge, where one of the city councilors pointed out at one or at when it was Somerville actually. And one of the city councilors that was like a sitting city councilor pointed out that he was having a hard time renting. He, he was right. he was trying to stay in the district and find a new place. He was searching for a new place while he was an incumbent city councilor and that he was the poorest city councilor. He was the only mm-hmm. one that was renting. And it's like it's such a, that is like such a unique perspective when you're not an owner, when you don't own property, because most people who are in office own property. I mean, that's so to me it shows a lack of actual diversity yeah. within elected offices. So that you live at home with your parents is uh, quite a unique perspective that a lot yeah. of young people have that's not represented up at the state house. I guarantee you. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm 26. I live with my moms and my sister. And um, that's, you know, something that not everyone likes to, you know, say up front because, you know, it's a position that a lot of us don't want to be in. Um, but that's, what the economy is right now. Um, you know, and my story is a little bit more unique because, you know, like we discussed, um, and I said in my video, um, I started out in music and then I moved, um, you know, around a bit and I wanted to, you know, focus more on politics. Um, but I think, you know, that kind of experience of being a struggling artist and waitering and rideshare driving, um, you know, I can see the position that so many people, especially in my, um, age group, uh, millennials, and now Gen Zers, you know, are finding themselves in, um, you know, where that's the situation. You're getting, you're getting older and older, and 
you're under, you know, the weight of student debt um, or, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons, you know, renting is just not an option. And, you know, um, when I look around at the options that are around, um, studios are like $1,300 um, anywhere as close to this area, um, you know, so it's something that I technically probably could afford, um, but it it's a waste of money. No one likes to, you know, you're kind of burning that every single month. Um, and if you wanted to be saving up to buy a house, you know, as, as a lot of people have as their kind of, you know, five or 10 year plans, you know, rent and then save the extra money to buy the house. Um, as the apartment, um, you know, rental rates keep, um, you know, being inflated, that becomes less and less of an option. Uh, because if you're spending all of your money on rent, well, then you're not saving any any for that, you know, five, 10 year plan. Um, so we've got to make, um, you know, pathways that are actually uh, plausible for people. That's the next question we're going to have. How do we create more affordable housing, whether it's rentals or for first time home buyers, for younger people, especially, yeah. you know, my girlfriend's son uh, just got engaged and you know they're talking about properties and things and it's just it's really difficult for young yeah. people who even who make good money like that are you know doing everything correctly saving money it's just like it's it's crazy out there right now what do we do yeah for younger people to keep them because we're gonna we're losing people i know that we're losing people every single month that are like i i look at a lot of people my age who have left the area and they keep, right. you know, even whether it's even just moving from the North shore to Worcester, you know, at closest or, you know, moving to another state, which is more often the case. What do we do to keep people? How do we keep things more affordable? Yeah. So I think it's multi-pronged for sure. Um, I think, you know, uh, anyone that wants to, you know, develop um, in this district or in this state, um, they have to get permission to do that. Um, so I think it's a matter of, you know, how we're prioritizing people. Um, once we start prioritizing working people and working families over big landlords and big developers, um, I think that's how we do it. Um, there's a lot of developers that have kind of been allowed um, to, you know, operate um, with the promise that they're going to be um, creating affordable housing. Um, and then turns out, like I said, those those units are thirteen hundred dollars, um, which is not affordable for many people. So it's holding them accountable. It's saying, no, we don't need more luxury condos or luxury, you know, student housing in this area. What we need is more affordable housing. Um, and then there's also the role of the state to actually be creating the housing ourselves. Um, we can make quality public housing. Um, we've seen it work. Um, in other countries and other places, um, you know, we don't have to be creating, um, you know, uh, housing that is not quality. Um, we can be making actual quality um, public housing for people. Um, we have more than enough money to pay for it. Um, I support things like a fair share amendment, um, which I'll be going down, I believe it's next Saturday um, to advocate for. Um, where we're putting a very small tax um, increase on millionaires um, that can absolutely afford it. Uh, in Massachusetts, we have just a 5% flat tax, um, which I think is, you know, ridiculous. We're, we're taxing um, working class um, and people, you know, that could be in poverty at the same rate as millionaires. Um, and if we change 
some of those laws um, and also use the giant surplus that we have as a state already um, in a way that um, you know shows moral courage and actually shows that our priorities are um, making sure that housing is a human right. Um, I think that this issue becomes a lot more simple than a lot of people try to make it. I've got a comment from Lisa Silva, who's a, a great community organizer Lisa. in Danvers. Yeah, Hello, listening. Lisa, she says, well. great Hi, point. <laughs> and speaking to her, I wanted to uh, bring up a Danvers-centric issue, which is uh, it's funny because I, I my family knows this guy, this, the hockey coach, you know, so it's, oh, yeah. it's kind of weird for me because I'm an old jock and – but I, I'm an old coach too, and uh, what I what happened at Danvers High School with their hockey team is crazy, and yeah. I'm just wondering what what you know you're running for state office, which is doesn't really deal with the town, but there is some oversight and there's funding that goes from the state to the town. What do you think about how Danvers, especially the superintendent and the the town, has handled this hockey, this high school hockey team? hate scandal is what I'm going to call it. It's, yeah. it's really some awful things have happened. I think people know about it. What do you think about it? What, what, what do you think about the town of Danvers and especially the school department? How have they handled yeah. this? So I think um, about the issue in a few different ways. Um, you know, there's, there's always the question that um, you never know quite how to answer of how do you deal with hate and how do you deal with racism and bigotry of all forms um, and on some level, you know, there's always going to be people that are bigoted. Um, you know, you can't necessarily legislate that away. Um, but I think part of the solution is, you know, diverse leaders and leaders that, um, you know, are very passionate about, you know, being a part of the solution and creating a, you know, welcoming um, city and town and district and state, um, you know, as a gay man, I've had, you know, my fair share of run-ins um, with very hateful people um, going door knocking throughout the state, um, you know, in, in a surprising way, because obviously it's, um, you know, we're in a blue state, we're in a blue district, um, you know, Salem especially, you know, not only went overwhelmingly for Biden, but went overwhelmingly for Bernie in the, in the primary. So, you know, we're dealing with, you know, an area that is very progressive, um, but it's not everyone. You know, I, I had, you know, my flyers thrown at me while being called the F word. Um, I've had, you know, numerous, numerous occasions of hate. Um, so I think that, you know, that is part of the solution is putting people in there that understand, you know, bigotry on in that deep level um, and can kind of be elected and say, you know, uh, your hate didn't matter. Um, I'm in here. Um, I'm going forward. I'm going to create, um, you know, a more welcoming district. Um, I hope that you can be a part of the ride, but, you know, not everyone can. Um, so then, you know, in when it comes to the Danvers High School, um, you know, there are kids that are going to be bigoted um, and say bigoted things because they have parents that are bigoted and say bigoted things. Um and what we need is adults that are going to stop that in its tracks and obviously not encourage it and not play into it and not allow it. And that's clearly not what happened at the high school. Um, it seems there were a lot of 
adults um, that were much less responsible than we would have liked them to be, to put it mildly. Um, and I was glad to see, um, you know, multiple uh, resignations um, and to see, you know, this outcry of accountability, um, especially for, you know, the adults involved in that situation that are kind of supposed to be um, children's mentors, um, you know, when they're not with their parents, they're not um, at home. Um, and I think a lot of people failed. Um, so I think that, you know, on every level, um, including at that really local level, um, it's important to have um, people like Lisa Marie Silva, um, like uh, Manny Lopes that just won his election um, for a uh, school committee. Um, you know, I, I think that's, that's going to make uh, a lot of a difference. Um, people that understand bigotry uh, and want to be a part of the solution. Now, you mentioned uh, some recent resignations. I believe the superintendent just re retired or resigned, whatever you want to call it. Yes. Uh, I know the coach, the head coach, Steve Baldessari, did resign from his coaching position, but I believe he is still a police resource officer. He, he leads the unit at the high school. Um, do you feel like he should resign from that position or be forced to resign at this point? I do. Uh, yes and yes. <laughs> um yeah, you know, I, I think that, you know, like I said, anyone that was, you know, kind of a part of the problem um, needs to go. You know, anyone that re read the, you know, full report, I think it was the Boston Globe that went into, you know, the nitty gritty details of, you know, exactly what was being said. I mean, it was horrific. Um, and, you know, it's it's always a tough position to be in to be talking about, you know, someone having their job taken away from them. Um, you know, that's an uncomfortable conversation to have. But again, it's about priorities. It's about, um, are we going to, you know, be willing to have conversations like that in order to put, you know, the safety and the well-being of children, especially in vulnerable um, groups, you know, uh, you know, kids of color and Jewish kids and LGBT kids. Um, you know, I, I think that they absolutely need to come first. I agree 100%. And, you know, I speaking as someone who was a head coach in Massachusetts, at a public high school for wrestling, not hockey, but wrestling anyways, I think the coach should, you know, re resign or be removed from the school as well. Um, I know he resigned from his head coaching position. And I will say, like, I, I you know, heard through people I know that knew him back in the day that he was a good guy, you know, and, and, mm. you know, I've heard other people in the community say, maybe he's not so good of a guy, you know, so I've heard differing accounts and I am a jock and all that. And, you know, I feel kind of terrible for the guy, but it happened on his watch. And mm. to me, something has to happen. Like he, he has to pay the price, like just to make people in the school feel safe. I, I feel like, and to feel like it's being dealt with, like, you know, you can't just, someone's head's got to roll like it's a totally i think you know he he needs to go yeah and i think he had to know like this stuff was so horrific he knew he he was the, the the high school hockey star at this school i think this stuff was going on when he was in school so he knew about it like there's no yeah. way he didn't know about it as coach knows everything and I, I you know if he didn't there's something wrong there too but i i think he definitely knew about it absolutely and i and again you know i think you know we don't have to come at it from, you know, a place of, you know, trying to be punitive, 
um, but more so just like looking at what accountability looks like. That's right. Um, and I think, you know, sending a clear message um, because because what is the message um, otherwise? If, you know, the adults that were supposed to be responsible, um, you know, let this happen and then, you know, n there is no accountability. Um, you know, I think that's certainly a way to, you know, embolden the hatred. Um, and that's the last thing that we want to do. Now, another thing um, you mentioned tonight that you were a musician, an artist, which yeah. is near and dear to my heart. My girlfriend has like run the local music uh, show forever. You used oh. to be on, on radio, WAF, but AF went out of business. So now she does her podcast here in the same studio I'm, I'm recording in. Uh, she does the Bay State Rock local show. So I love musicians. I've always awesome. been, you know, I met her when I used to book music shows myself. And um, so we're big, you know, into into artists and musicians and all of that. We have a lot of friends who are musicians. Um, how do we support them? Because that's that's, you know, kind of mentioned that earlier that a lot of people have been moving to other states and especially see that with creatives and musicians, um, artists. They can't afford the rents. How do we support them in Massachusetts, you know, staying? How do we invest yeah. in Massachusetts? How do we do that? It is a tough industry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I was doing music for a long time um, and I was always, you know, the most passionate about it when I was, you know, incorporating, uh, you know, the issues that I cared most about um, into it. Um, you know, when I was writing songs about police brutality or uh, doing covers of some great anti-war songs from the 60s, um, you know, and then I got, you know, more and more passionate um, about, you know, actually being a part of the solution when it comes to racial and economic uh, uh, inequality. Um, so that's what kind of pushed me um, more into running for office and activism and being a part of campaigns and, you know, starting my own campaign. Um, but another huge part was just how tough it was. Um, there are just so many people, um, that are in the industry, um, that, you know, do not have artists, uh, best interests at heart. Um, you know, it, it's a countless number of times where I've had, uh, money stolen from me and, you know, you know, dealt with, you know, every possible situation. Um, so I think there definitely needs to be a lot more regulation, um, in that industry, um, to make sure that, uh, you know, it's not so easy to take advantage of artists. Um, it's an interesting industry, of course, because, you know, unlike other industries, there's not, you know, a clear path. It's not, okay, you, you know, get your degree in, in this field, um, at college, and then you get your starting position, you move up. Um, you know, and I think that lends, itself for people to come in and say oh you don't know what you're doing i'm gonna i'm gonna help you i'm gonna you know and they're able to sell you on all these things they're gonna do for you and then you know kind of leave you high and dry um and it's very difficult for artists to kind of um you know navigate how to get back the money that's been taken from them so i'd like to see a lot more um regulation of in, in of the industry and um you know ways to kind of help artists through that excellent yeah 
uh, any funding that you think that you know could help artists as well like the yeah i mean would the state fund i know i know they do do some funding especially with covid they did some um do you see that as like a a possible yeah. path absolutely supportive of that um especially you know in the schools and everything of course you know the arts are always the first thing to get cut um i think i i you know i absolutely oppose that um i think it's really important to you know, in, encourage the creativity um, that comes with that, um, you know, encourage artists and musicians. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely support, you know, more funding for for all of that. Now, I mentioned cannabis earlier. That's one of my, like, you know, my big things. I'm a medical cannabis user from being a jock, you know, basically <laughs> my body is falling <laughs> apart still and cancer and, you know, I'm I've had a lot of issues, so yeah. <laughs> I'm a big, I'm a big medical cannabis user and supporter, and advocate, and all that. Um, Me too. There's been a lot of issues around the regulation of cannabis. Like, you know, one of the recent, I th I find it's a scandal that's come out. You know, is we, we've been fighting for economic empowerment and social equity, and we finally get this big win. Like we we fought for it on the show, especially right. and like a lot of the things that we thought we won. It, it, still, we didn't win. Like you know, when we win, we still don't win. Like because they get us. Like and what what I'm giving you a perfect example of is the delivery. We're supposed to have recreational delivery to people who are actually big cannabis, but the regulators thought they were smarter than everyone else, and they, you know, did crazy uh, regulations that basically require two people to make a delivery so the costs are ridiculous and, and the small guy can't get ahead there's like yeah. you know they're all going to go out of business before they even open and some yeah. of them are open now would you be someone that would help us like roll back some of the crazy regulations that are just killing people especially the small business owners in this industry in the industry absolutely yeah for sure um you know it, it in as far as weed as far as you know honestly any other drugs um i don't think it's you know the government's business at all to be telling people what they can put in their body um i think that it would be a much more valuable use of our time to be uh investing in rehab facilities and mental health care you know for people that are you know suffering from addiction obviously with you know weed it's not um as relevant it's very unlikely for people to um be suffering from addiction from you know marijuana um but yeah i mean you know who could have guessed that the government would you know prioritize big business and big industry um even when doing something um you know somewhat good um i say sarcastically um because you know of course know they would yeah. yeah of course yeah. I mean, who, who, who would have seen this coming <laughs> right so yeah i mean i could show you videos from like 2007 where we were like what's this gonna cost that was my first thing my first testimony in front of the dph that was who was running it then what's this gonna cost the patients right from 2007 till now that is the question that's been right. what, what what is it a second driver cost in in this case it's the consumer but a lot of times the consumer is still a patient yeah. so like you know it's the regulations cost us and it's yeah. uh usually helping the big guys it's it's just ridiculous uh there's yeah. another scandal that came out that it's starting to like bubble up we're starting to you know basically cure relief holdings one of the largest multi-state cannabis dispensary chains which might be owned by the russians <laughs> 
is being sued in federal court with allegations that it stole hundreds of thousands of dollars in tips from at least 50 employees. This is out of state in Illinois, I believe Chicago, somewhere in there. Um, we have, but we have heard the same activity has happened with other Massachusetts cannabis brands. Wow. Would you be like, you know, raising hell on stuff like yeah. that? And, and also on the Russian question, because a lot of us are questioning whether Curaleaf should be investigated, like for the Russian ties for the, not, yeah. not even, you know, I don't want to say Russia cause it's not Russia to the Putin ties. That's really right. what it is to the Russian government ties. Go ahead. Yeah. 100%. Um, I, was at uh we had an event uh meet the candidates uh in danvers a couple nights ago and i had the privilege of reading uh meeting with shannon liz reardon um who's kind of been at the forefront um i was reminded of her as well when you were speaking about uh rideshare drivers um you know she she has been able to get so much money back for workers um whether it's you know rideshare drivers or you know people in the restaurant industry um, that have reported their managers taking their tips, um, you know, which, which again is something that's obviously illegal, but something that's not enforced. Um, and, you know, I, I had the privilege of meeting with her and, um, you know, discussing that, um, you know, I, I, and I kind of made my mind up that night of who I was supporting because that's so crucial. Um, you know, the idea that an employer, you know, would be pocketing that money is so awful. We need to absolutely fight back, um, as hard as we can about that kind of behavior. Um, you know, and as far as the kind of cannabis rollout as well, obviously, you know, something that I would really support and most progressives, you know, would say if we were kind of behind the rollout would, you know, be prioritizing, you know, the disproportionately people of color who have had to serve uh, jail time for, uh, you know, a, a victimless crime, uh, you know, and be the first in line to get permits and, you know, be prioritized in this kind of industry to say, you know, we were wrong, um, you know, go ahead, make your money, um, you know, it's the least we can do. And, you know, in terms of regulations and all that, make sure that they are to benefit um, the people that are, you know, a small business owners and, you know, trying to make um, a little bit of profit to support themselves in this industry um, when they have been, you know, so, so wrongly punished for. Awesome. Um, I want to uh, make another point about that, about people who have been arrested for cannabis because a lot of us, like myself, I was arrested for cannabis and it really did cost me, a, you know, a career. Basically, it cost me a lot of money back before decrim. Um, and I'm never going to benefit from that because I'm not going into the business of cannabis. Most right. of us, you know, who you don't arrested, have ties. You're not friends with John Boehner. Yeah. <laughs> but some, you know, this activist uh, who's, a, you know, a leader in the New Jersey, Pennsylvania area nationally to Chris Goldstein, who works a lot with normal someone I know for 20 years on this, he brought up, a, he was also arrested and he, you know, his was more of a, uh, a public, uh, protest on federal mm -hmm. land. It was, he did quite a thing. Uh, you know, uh, actually I don't even know. Yeah. No, yeah. He did get arrested. That's right. Um, so, but anyways, he brought up the point to help folks like us who aren't even, you know, we don't want to be in the industry. We don't want to be in the cannabis industry. We're cannabis advocates that use cannabis. But what we would like to see is tax-free cannabis for us. Yeah. 
you want to give you want to help the most people like let's let's not have let you know i should be able to fill out a form with the state of massachusetts and say i was arrested on this day <laughs> it was actually on my birthday so i remember the date i got the date right here blah, blah, blah. um you know, and I have a card that says I, I have the right to tax free cannabis because I was arrested and I, I suffered. So now you guys are making it up to me and I don't have to pay for the recreational tax. That would be yeah. a good way to help a lot of people. Uh, what do you think about that? I absolutely agree. Um, and, you know, I see your uh, tax free cannabis and I raise you, you know, an end to all regressive taxes. Um, I think that, you know, when we're putting taxes on things like cigarettes or alcohol or, you know, marijuana, um, and especially like tolls and, you know, things, things when driving, you know, bus fares. Uh, I think that's, that's the wrong way entirely of going about creating, um, money for the state to use. Um, I think that you're disproportionately hurting lower income people. Um, you know, the very people that do not need another thing, um, hurting them. That's not where we should be raising our funds from, um, and, and again, like, you know, like I said earlier, the, the 5%, uh, flat tax, um, that millionaires are able to get away with the very low corporate tax rate, the lack of, you know, taxes on, you know, real estate, you know, and, and I could go on and on. Um, there's so much opportunity to actually be getting funds from those that actually have it and that can actually afford to pay it. Um, that we're not taking full advantage of. So yeah, I say, you know, get rid of all regressive taxes. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. So Kyle, Kyle Davis for state Senate is who we're talking to. It's at Kyle Davis for MA. Uh, you can find him on Twitter, Facebook. You have a website, Twitter. Um, I mean, uh, uh, fa- uh, I don't even know, know what I'm saying right now. You have a website, <laughs> Kyle Davis for MA.com, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. And then the Kyle Davis for MA is Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you. Yeah. I knew I'd get it out. And <laughs> we, got, we, we also had a, uh, an update too from Lisa Silva. She said he is being reassigned. So apparently uh, the police officer, the resource officer, uh, the hockey coach uh, is being reassigned from Danvers high school, which is good. Gotcha. So I guess he doesn't have to lose his job, but he just has to get out of the high school. Gotcha. Perhaps that, works, similar, that, similar. I, that makes sense to me. I think that's yeah. a, you know, yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, we're the young jerks. We, we got, I mean, there's a lot more we could be discussing. I know healthcare is also a big issue for you. What are some of the topics that you're hearing from people out on the campaign trail or even at the forums? You were at a forum last night, right? At the Pulaski club in Danvers there. Yeah. Yeah. Or correct. the Polish club. Yeah. The Polish club, right? The Pol- Yeah. Polish club. Correct. Yeah. I saw yeah. that and I was like, I know that place. So yeah. right next to Sam and Joe's. Yeah. Yeah. That was fantastic. Um, yeah, like I said, with the Peabody Peaker plant, um, it's kind of amazing how, you know, the issues that I'm most passionate about keep coming up over and over again, um, on the campaign trail. So consistently my, you know, top three issues have been, uh, universal healthcare, affordable housing and combating the climate crisis in a really serious way. Um, healthcare, you know, that's kind of, you know, what got me into this, um, you know, I was, you know, of course, a big supporter of Bernie Sanders. And then later on, AOC, Cori Bush, um, you know, I, I've said a lot about how, especially the, the latter two have kind of inspired me as someone who, you know, is just a struggling artist, just a waiter um, to stand up and run um, for something because I'm passionate about the issues, because 
you know, AOC, just a bartender. Uh, Corey Bush was just a single mother, um, an activist um, fighting out there for what's right. Um, so they've been, you know, huge inspirations for me and then, you know, led me into activism for a single payer system, uh, Medicare for all. Um, and now for Massachusetts, um, we have a bill. We just need more people um, at Beacon Hill that are supportive of it and will actually vote yes on it. Um, you know, what so is that bill? What is that? Yeah. Mass bill. What is that? So it's yeah. Medicare for all for Massachusetts. Um, it's essentially, um, the bill that Bernie Sanders and Pramila Jayapal have proposed at the national level, um, for the state of Massachusetts. So, um, getting rid of premiums, co-pays, deductibles, covering the over 200,000 people across the state, they're uninsured, um, and making, um, it, illegal for private insurance companies to do duplicative care. Um, so we'd be all funded under a state system. The The state would be the payer. Um, and we have a decent amount of support. We just kind of need a few more senators. And, so, and yeah, Let me get this straight, because yeah. I haven't heard enough about this, honestly. Oh, okay. Like, I hear about it on the national, which is, you know, awesome. Yeah. I'd love to see it happen. You know, I kind of like on the national level, like, just Medicare opt-in where people, if they want to, I understand the Bernie people want to right. go a little further, but I think the opt-in is great and good enough, but yeah. how would this work in Massachusetts? Massachusetts would basically get rid of the insurance companies. Cause I like this. This sounds really good. Tell me is yeah. that what I'm hearing. Essentially. So they wouldn't be able to do duplicative care. Um, so, you know, if an insurance company still wanted to cover, you know, plastic surgery or, you know, non, non-necessary medical, you know, elective procedures, um, they still could. Um, but in terms of seeing your doctor, um, getting dental care, getting eye, vision, hearing um, taken care of, you know, you would go in, uh, you would get the care that you need, you would walk out, and this would be paid for um, by taxes. And um, the best part about it is it's actually cheaper than our current system in Massachusetts. It would save the state $8 billion um, because there are a lot of hidden fees in our current system that a lot of people don't, you know, kind of take into consideration. Um, we're essentially um, a system that's taking care of, you know, middle to lower uh, income people in our emergency rooms, uh, which is the uh, most expensive way to care for people, of course. You know, people aren't getting their preventative care because they can't afford, you know, the out-of-pocket expenses. They're waiting until they have a condition that is so severe that they need to go to an urgent care or get an ambulance. Um, and that's incredibly expensive for the state. Um, it's also very expensive um, when we're having to cover funeral expenses for people that are dying because they're not able to get the care that they need. Um, there's just so many, um, so many ways that we can save money. Um, and by not actually, um, having the middleman of private insurance, um, we're saving a lot of money that way too. Um, because the system that we have now, um, you know, mass care and everything, um, and the connector, uh, which, you know, definitely made a lot of progress, but what we're doing is a lot of money that's going into that system is being used to pay the insurance companies and pay, you know, the health and health, uh, care CEOs, health insurance CEOs, um, so we'd be cutting out the middleman and actually putting that money towards care. Actually, another question, uh, sports betting is like a big, big, uh, topic right now in Massachusetts, whether really? 
the governor is going to pass it and you know whether it's a state house where would you be on would you support something like that yes or no yeah yeah people want to bet on sports i don't have a problem with that any worries about the you know the ramifications of people you know the yeah um yes and no i mean i I think i kind of see it similar to you know the drug issue um where you know obviously you know people can um suffer from addictions um you know whether that's mental or physical um but i don't know that it's necessarily this the government's um you know place to be kind of saying no you can't engage in that behavior i'd rather um see us again investing in mental health care um you know so that if if there are individuals that have you know addictive personalities you know and you know leaving that kind of up to the mental health care um specialists you know there there's i think there's always kind of underlying reasons why um people kind of engage in behaviors that are unhealthy like that um not that you know betting overall or in general is unhealthy but it can be for some people um you know so I'd, i'd like to see you know it be an option for people that want to engage in it and also have that support and those resources for those that, you know, are potential, could be potential abusers of it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, any other topics that you wanted to talk about tonight, like in terms of campaign ideas or just, you know, anything you're hearing? I always like to make it clear that I'm not taking um, a dollar um, from corporations, lobby, special interests. I know I said it in my, um, ad but you know i always think it's one of the most important things that kind of you know translates to every other issue that i'm talking about um you know i'm the only candidate in the race that has you know uh taken that position um when it comes to big money um i have about a 20 dollars average donation um so very grassroots um so you know when i say that i'd like to stand up to the health insurance CEOs um, when it comes to universal health care, or that I'd like to stand up to these dirty energy projects and the fossil fuel industry, you know, in, in what I'd like to see us being the national leader in combating the climate crisis, you know, I mean it. And there's not, um, you know, some lobbyist money that I'm going to take, take later on um, or now in my campaign, that's going to, you know, push me in another direction on that. I'm, you know, I'm solid with those beliefs. And so you mentioned, uh, I know we mentioned a couple of times, this Peabody power plant situation. Is there anything that people can do to, you know, weigh in on that? Or is that a done deal at this point? Yeah. um, I mean, I think, you know, these institutions are always, you know, um, you know, subject to, you know, buckle under public pressure. Um, You know, I think it's certainly been their desire to stay under the radar, so there's a, friend, a fantastic organization called Breathe Clean North Shore um, that I definitely recommend people getting involved with. They're always kind of holding either protests or, you know, Zoom meetings to kind of educate more people on this, um, you know, going door to door, letting people know in Peabody about this plant because a lot of people still don't know about it. Um, so I would definitely recommend people going to that organization because I think they're definitely um you know, on top of it in terms of education and, you know, being the, the protest to this um, plant. And it was Breathe Clean? Breathe Clean North Shore. North Shore. Okay, perfect. But there's um, M- M- MCAN as well, um, has been big on this issue as well. 
Awesome. Yeah. I'm gonna check them out. Keep yeah. updated. So it's uh, Kyle Davis for uh, State Senate, at Kyle Davis for MA on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. He's also got a website if you want to contribute. At it's uh, Kyle Davis for MA.com is the website. Um, what's next for you? You have any campaign events or debates, anything upcoming, or you know, p- people can volunteer to do standouts, things like that? Yeah, so um, nothing like that on the books yet, but we're definitely, um, you know, in the process of planning um, events, fundraisers, all that kind of stuff right now. Um, actually spent all day today knocking on doors in Peabody um, up until right around six o'clock. Um, so that's pretty much what I'm doing every day for the, the next couple of months, just getting the word out there, making every phone call, knocking on every door. Um, we absolutely need help with that. If people want to you know, join our efforts, we got 60,000 doors to hit. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, definitely events um, on the horizon. Awesome. So Oh, I want to thank you so much, and uh, hopefully we can have you come back closer to the the what? Uh, again, it's uh, in September, right? September, yep. September sixth. Yeah, closer to September sixth. We'll yep, love to have you primary, back. Primary, um, and then I believe the general will be November eighth. Um, yeah, I'd love to come back. Thank you so much. And, for and again, I, we didn't even mention the the party. You're a Democrat, right? I'm a Democrat. Yes. So it'd be <laughs> if people want to vote for you, it'd be the Democratic primary. Yep. Anyone can vote um, other than registered Republicans. So if you're, it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat, if you're not enrolled Green Party, um, as long as you're not a registered Republican, you can, um, you can support us. Vote in that primary. Perfect. Well, you know, and you obviously have to be a a resident of Peabody, Beverly, Danvers. What's the other one I'm in? Salem. Salem. Yeah, of course. Closest one to me. <laughs> so uh, uh, thank you so much uh, again, Kyle Davis for state Senate and good luck. And hopefully we'll, we'll hear from you uh, close you. to the election and, and, and good luck on the campaign trail, especially knocking on all those doors. <laughs> uh, actually, before I let you go, uh, have you had any crazy moments recently knocking on a door, of, you know, if someone might be not liking uh, Democrats, you know, right now? Yeah. Um, so there was that kind of, um, hate incident that I, I mentioned earlier. Um, people have been pretty good though. Um, I'm, I'm trying, I've got the database and everything that's making sure that I'm, um, kind of only knocking on doors that are either unenrolled or democratic. Like I said, people that kind of, um, are more likely to vote, um, to kind of be a little more efficient. So I'm supposed to be only knocking on those doors once in a while. I'll, I'll knock on a door, um, where someone is accusing me of being a baby killer or something like that, or, you know, using expletives. And, and um, I'm, I have to say, Oh, okay. I, I think I might be at the wrong door or, um, you know, agree to disagree. You know, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully you don't have to bring out the phone and start recording. Yeah. hopefully. <laughs> so, so very much. Good luck on your door knocking Kyle. And uh, thank, you, thank so you so much. Kyle Davis for state Senate for spending some time with us tonight. Thank you. I appreciate it. And we're the young jerks. I'm Mike Crawford. We will see you very soon. Thank you to our listeners.